This week on Jesus Center Stage, we're discussing sermon analogies and illustrations. We discuss what are our favorite ones, how they affected us, and how they line up with Scripture. It's almost Christmas. It is almost it Christmas. It is almost Christmas. Oh, I know what we start with. That we we started with a secret handshake. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> I just gave you my left hand while ago because Jasper's laying on my right one. Uh huh. And he's you know he's got to have his little prop here. Yeah, yeah. So we always pray before we get started, and uh, we always hold hands while we pray. And tonight was a, a my my left <laughs> hand and you're also left hand, so it was uh, thumb to thumb. <laughs> no, our secret handshake's no longer secret. I just let <laughs> you it out. just told everybody. I just told everybody. I'm terrible at keeping secrets. Speaking of Christmas, though, do you know what my like what I'm looking forward to the most at this moment? Um, what? Sleeping in. I am so tired. You do that every weekend. <laughs> I don't sleep in every weekend. Thank you very much. This past Saturday, I got up at 7 a.m. That's sleeping in, because normally you get up way before then for it. I get up at 6 a.m. Mm. Normal day. That's only an hour. That doesn't even count. Well, so that's going to be the highlight of Christmas. No, it's not. not it's not going to be the highlight of Christmas. <laughs> I'm just saying that's at this moment, at this very precise moment, that's what I'm looking forward to the most is I can sleep in. That I don't have to an, get up and go to work. That was just another way of saying that you're tired. I'm very tired. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had a a, a surprisingly late night last night. Um, for those of you who are uh, on our Facebook page, may have seen that we had a ministry night last night and. Even though it was over at 9 o'clock, by the time we got home and got ready to go to bed, there was things that we need to do, unload the food and put it away and this and that that we yeah. had for the ministry. Uh, yeah, it was almost midnight, and then we was both back up by 6 this morning. So that's why you're tired. Yes, and that may be also why I accepted an order from a store like on the other side of mm-hmm. the world today. And yeah. then I started shopping at where I was. It was a whole thing. <laughs> the the adventures of the personal shopper. <laughs> so, um, hey, I'm I'm kind of excited about our topic today. Um, it was just something that I I just popped in my head. Yeah, and then you took mine. I did, but now you've got a, a maybe even better one. Mm. Um, no, but I think the we, only reason I have mine is because you weren't paying attention when we first heard it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was. It's odd because the only <laughs> thing I was doing, we we were sitting in church, and I had like my right leg was crossed across my left leg, and I needed to reposition because I had become uncomfortable, so I moved that leg. And put my right leg on the ground and then raise my left leg up and I just kind of repositioned and all that. And then you like leaned over and said, oh, that was really good. And I'm like, what? What did I miss? <laughs> so for some reason, because I was repositioning my legs, <laughs> my ears quit working. <laughs> and uh, 
and I missed the whole. <laughs> you missed the whole story. Yeah, but when you told me, I was like, oh, wow, that is really good. <laughs> um, no, but our topic today is going to be your favorite, um, or maybe not your favorite, because you could probably go back and think of others, but a a sermon analogy or a sermon illustration that you really liked, mm-hmm. um, one that, that stuck with you, that you remember. Um and uh, I think I think it's going to be interesting to to talk about because um, the, just the two that we have here for this podcast are good, but we could we There's could probably go into to many others. Um, and then we've kind of joked a little bit about those things that we've heard for years and years and years, where there's there's really very little probability that they actually happened (laughs) (laughs) because a pre you hear a preacher in one state say it and a preacher in another state say it but they're just slightly different enough that you know this story's been circulating around Mm -hmm. for years and years and years yeah and there's no those stories there's no like proof they actually happened yeah because they've been going around for so long that Mm -hmm. nobody knows where it originated or who the original person was. And my personal pet peeve is when preachers insert themselves into it like it actually happened. Yeah. I love stories and I love sermon illustrations and I love analogies and parables and whatever. Jesus used parables. Mm-hmm. But when preachers say it happened to me, listen, it better have happened to you. Yeah. I better have, like, if I ask for a picture, there better be a picture. Like, don't be telling me something happened to you to create a point for your sermon if it didn't actually happen to you just tell the story yeah just say there was a story or i heard somewhere or i read like there's nothing wrong with that there's absolutely nothing wrong with using sermon illustrations i love sermon illustrations object lessons stories you know Mm -hmm. whether they're funny whether they're sad like if they if they help to visualize your point if they help to bring that point across then go for it but don't insert yourself into something that you have not personally experienced. Yeah, yeah, I do think that's going a little too far. That's just on the edge of. It's on the wrong wrong edge of of just telling a lie. This if is you, true. If you try to pass it off as it's a like, true story so you know that happened you, to you, when you go to like when you hear a comedian, they'll insert themselves into jokes, and mm-hmm. you know they didn't actually happen because you're listening to a comedian. Yeah. But like, I feel like. Preachers, pastors, speakers of biblical truth should have a higher standard to that. Mm-hmm. That's just my well, soapbox over I, here. I feel that when you're when you're standing behind a pulpit, you're you're being entrusted with the truth, mm-hmm. which is God's word. So you you need to live up to that. Now, there's not saying there's not times that you can you know have a story, but you need to say it's a story. It's a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, today's topic is going to be our our favorite our or current our favorite. current favorite <laughs> uh, sermon analogies or sermon um, illustrations that we have heard uh, from different uh, sermons. And as always, we um, encourage uh, our listeners to, if you got something that you know stuck out to you that you've heard, um, reach out to us. Let us know. Maybe we can uh, share that with our other listeners. So. With that being said, would you like to go first? No, I would like you to go first. You would like me to go <laughs> first. Okay. I would. Well, mine 
my favorite sermon illustration, current, current one, is um, an illustration that I heard from um, a preacher named Paul Washer. And uh, I don't know if he if this is his illustration or if he's heard it, you know, from someone else. But um, it's in a, it's in a sermon uh, where he's really speaking of uh, the wrath of God and the pi- the salvation power of Jesus. And um, I'll just get into the to the illustration here, and then you can share your thoughts too. But the illustration goes like this that there is a a dam that is one mile high and it's one mile wide and just below the dam is is a house a little village even you could say and um, the people in this house and in this little village they they live their lives day in and day out just doing normal stuff and and you know everything's okay but every day that they come out, they can look and see this dam that is a mile high, and it's a mile wide. So they can't see the top of it, and they can't see the edges of it. But they know on the other side of that dam is a wall of water that is as high as the dam is. So every day they go about their lives, and they can see that, but they're protected from it because of the dam that's there. And... One day, they hear a sound like they've never heard before, and they look and they see that the dam is breaking in every direction all at once. Real suddenly, it's breaking, and all of a sudden, it crashes to the ground, and they see that one mile high and one mile wide wall of water that is, is coming to them. Now, there's nothing holding it back, and it's, it's coming to them. And there's no, there's nothing they can do. Uh, nothing is going to survive. Every tree, every house, every building, every rock is going to be washed away and destroyed. And and the people have no chance whatsoever. And and they're they're frozen in fear because there's nothing they can do. It's coming so fast. Uh, you can only imagine how quick it would. You know, water would fall. Uh, how that, helpless so, you would feel yeah. in that moment so here comes the water the the wall of water from a mile high and it's it's in all of its fury and all of its rage and everything is coming and and he says just before it got to the house the earth opened up and every bit of that water went into that that hole in the in the ground and and, and he said even the on the other side that the, their socks w- didn't even have wetness on them because every bit of water that fell from the dam was 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 swallowed up by that that big crack in the earth and right before it got to them yes right before it got to them and the purpose of this illustration is that that wall or, or that water that is built up so high and so wide that you can't even see the tops and the edges of it is it's representative of the wrath of God and uh, that that is is been stored up and uh, you know for there was a there was a verse here I was going to read out of uh, Romans chapter 2 
it's verse, I believe, 5 and 6. It says, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant hearts, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds. And this is, this is the wrath that's been storing up because we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And, and the, the wages of sin is death. And, and, and the Bible continues to tell us what sin does to us and that God hates sin. And then we look through the Psalms and we see that it says his, his, uh, his anger is kindled against those who uh, work iniquity. And, and so we see that, and this is what is built up. And, and the only thing that is, is keeping that from us is just we're living in a, in a place of grace and of mercy at this moment. But a day will come that, that the, it's, it's time and judgment's going to come. And, and here comes the grace, the mercy moves out of the way. Here comes the, the, the judgment and the wrath of God coming down from from every direction with a force that we can't even fathom and then it says the earth just opened up and swallowed all the water before it got there and of course that earth opening was representative of jesus that god's wrath will be poured out that's not that's not in question it's not that we can do something to keep god from having poured out his wrath but he poured it out on Jesus he poured it out that when Jesus hung on that cross that his wrath that was for me that wall of water that was coming was was laid upon Jesus and he took that punishment he took that that crushing and he and I believe um, I can't tell you the verse but I want to say it's Isaiah where it says that it pleased God to crush him. It's Isaiah 53. Yeah, Isaiah 53. It pleased God to crush him. And that's what happened on the cross was that the wrath that was intended for me and for you and for any one of you that's listening right now, that it was coming to crush you and me because of our sins and because that, that we are not righteous. And Jesus took that on the cross and he took the crushing. He took that beating and when that that hole in in the earth opened up and the water went in, that was representative of when that happened. And the people in that village in that that first little house right there that was, you know, had no option. There was nothing they could do to stop the water. They was they couldn't build a wall big enough to have stopped it once it came. They couldn't they was, run fast enough. They couldn't run fast enough. There was nowhere to go. It was cer- certain death. Like I said, every every house, every tree, everything was going to be swept away. There was nothing strong enough. No, nothing nothing more powerful than God's wrath, yeah. and nothing would stop it, except the love of God. That is that is. I mean, put that together in your mind. That it's, the only it's hard. yeah, God's wrath will be poured out, but God's love will overcome it. But to be in that village. To be on the other side of that great divide in the earth where the water went, you have to have confessed your sin or or confessed Jesus as Lord and repented of your sins and lived a life for him and be servant of the Most High King. And 
And that's, that's that village I want to be in. That's what that, that sermon illustration showed me was I'm in, a, I'm in a, a village. I mean, I'm talking hypothetical here. I'm in a village. I'm in a house somewhere. And that wall is going to come someday, whether it be uh, when, when I draw my last breath here or whether it be when that trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back. But there's going to be a day that it's going to that everything's going to end. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to be in a house. I want to be in a village, uh, hypothetically, that there's a divide between me and that wrath that is going to take that wrath. He's already took it on the cross. But if you do not accept it, if you do not follow him, if you do not let him be Lord of your life, then that, then his, his sacrifice for you is in vain because you, you're not taking, I, I won't say advantage of it. It's there. Take it and mm-hmm. keep that wrath from hitting you. So as I heard that illustration, it, it, uh, it's always stuck with me, and I've I've used that, in, you know, a time or two in in sermons that I've preached where it fit in there. Uh, always giving credit to Paul Washer because I think um, you should always, you know, uh, let the source be known, and that other people maybe can go and listen to to his his preaching and his teachings. Um, but uh, that's that would be mine right now because it is just so powerful to think. Um, when you put stuff, and that's what that's what illustrations and analogies do, it puts things in to situations we can relate to. Mm-hmm. And you know anybody that's ever been, uh, you know, white water rafting or or you know it just in a river even that's you know flowing decent, you know you can't overcome power of water. It, it's it's too much for a human being. Yeah. And so to, to make that illustration of thinking of a, a wall of water that is a mile high and, and rushing at you gives you that idea that there's absolutely nothing I can do to stop it. And that's what, that's what God's judgment is. It's, it's coming one way or the other. Now, whether it's going to be, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant, or whether it's going to be the wrath of God coming down to you all depends on whether or not you have accepted Jesus as Lord of your life. When I heard that illustration that you just shared, uh, it it just helped, like you said, to give a visual to realize. Because I think sometimes, especially as Christians, if we've heard it before, it's easy to lose sight of just how powerful this whole thing of salvation is. Mm-hmm. On on both sides of it, how great his wrath is because of how much we have offended him, how much we have have gone against his holiness, and it's easy just to brush that aside and and be casual about it. But when you think of this of this great wall of water headed towards you, and there's nothing you can do, you're completely helpless, and you it just helps to to magnify how helpless we are to save ourselves that there's no no amount of good deeds or anything that we can do to rescue ourselves and it takes jesus stepping in front of us before the judgment seat and saying i i took it i I Uh took care of this one yeah and while ago when you were talking about how it how it pleased god to bruise him i just 
if you think about et- the eternal separation from God that we all deserve because of how we have offended him and how we have broken his laws, that Jesus in that moment took everybody's eternal separation and was completely separated from his father for us. Mm-hmm. Like he, he stepped in right before the, the verdict was cast that you're banished forever. He stepped in and took that sentence. And yeah. I, in and I guess I just have this like this visual of Jesus literally stepping in front of me. Yeah. And stopping and taking for me what I could not handle myself. Yeah, there's never been a greater a greater love story. Um you know, we 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 joke especially this time of year about your Hallmark movies. And how how they all have the same plot and the same, you know, the same things happen. And they try to, you know, portray some great love story, but uh, love love story, yeah, (laughs) love stories can't compare to what what love it it showed um, that that he took all that just for us that we could be with him. He's Uh, the only one that would. That's right. Only one that could true yes all right so that's mine um now what is yours what's your favorite so current my, my current favorite um so we were at church the other week and the pastor was preaching and he used this illustration and i looked it up um and found it also on the on the internet so i don't know the historical accuracy of it but it's a great story Um, And a very great sermon illustration. So the story goes that when Oliver Cromwell was in charge of England, Great Britain, um, I think that's what he was in charge of. I should have checked that. (laughs) Anyways, that's not important. They, um, the kingdom was running low in silver coin. And so Oliver Cromwell sent his people throughout the kingdom to try and find more silver that they could use to turn into currency. And so his officers went throughout the kingdom trying to find silver. And they came back and they said to Oliver Cromwell that we have not found any silver except for the statues of the saints that stand in the corners. And... Oliver Cromwell's response was, that's perfect. We will melt down the saints and put them in distribution. And when I heard that, like you said earlier, I was like, whoa, that was good. Like, mm-hmm. I just got so excited. Just that, that, that analogy, that illustration of let's melt down the saints. They're standing in the corners. They're, they're within the courtyard of the church. Mm-hmm. But let's melt them down and put them in distribution. And so then my mind goes into, like, I think it might be Jeremiah that talks about um, how he sits as a refiner of, of silver. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it in Jeremiah? I think it is. Anyways, I, or somewhere that talks about him sitting as a refiner mm-hmm. of silver. So I'm thinking about that because it, they were statues of silver that he said, let's melt them down and put them in distribution. And then I think about how... As, as children of God, we are called to go outside of the walls of the church. And they, here they were, they were statues. They had 
They had the look of saints. They had the appearance of saints. They were found where you would expect to find saints, but they were doing absolutely no good there. Yeah. What the kingdom needed was currency. What the kingdom needed was something that they could use. Mm -hmm. And the statues were not usable. They were there, but they were not usable. Yeah, they was full of something that was very useful. Yes. But we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. Mm -hmm. they're, they're full of something that's useful, but locked up inside the the courtyard of the church. Just just there. Just not not accomplishing anything, not useful for anything. And so Oliver Cromwell says, Let's melt them down and put them in distribution. And if you think about the whole the, the refining of silver and the melting down, if you I mean that in itself could be a amazing like you could just preach that a while of how god comes and he lets the trials of our faith and he and he puts us through tests and he puts us he lets things happen to try us and to purify us in in job it says when i am tried when when i have been tried that i will come forth as gold which is another precious metal useful mm -hmm. for things once that it is purified so all, just just that in itself you can preach for a while of of let we need to be available for God to melt us down to melt us down and get out the dross and get out the the things in our lives that make us unusable and then yeah. we can be distributed yeah like put you into can't circulation put into circulation yeah you can't take a whole statue of something and like Use it, like it's yeah. Like go you, to the it, store to buy something. Yeah, like. that's not that's not gonna happen unless you're like an art art dealer or something. That's a, that's really not useful. But to melt it down and to put it in circulation, that means it, it, it's gonna be passed around. It's gonna be used. It's gonna be. It's gonna touch every. Ooh, ooh! I just got this. It's gonna touch everybody who's ha who who uses it. Yeah. Every hand that it passes through. Every everybody who who lays hold of it for some mm -hmm. reason as it goes from one person to another and that's how we should be it's children of god yeah not saints sitting in the courtyard but distributed circulating among the people where everywhere that we go and everybody we encounter they're left with the benefits of the gospel they're left with something that they didn't have because they don't come to watch us sit in church and see how pretty we are yeah. But they want to know, they, they need to see the kindness of Christ Monday through Saturday and not just the statues in mm -hmm. the courtyard. The the people in, in this world who need to know about Jesus the very most, and I'm meaning by the ones who don't, don't know him and don't you know care to know him or don't know anything about him, the people that need him the most will never walk forward inside of a church for a church service so well, if you're going to give them that valuable nugget there that that silver that is the gospel it, it it's going to have to go out to be distributed well even if they do come into the church if we're sitting there as as these pious religious look at is, me i'm look, silver yeah look at me i've got this all together i'm refined i'm perfect mm-hmm I'm I'm formed into the image of a saint instead of the image of Christ. What good is that going to do them? Yeah. Like that's not going to help them at all. But when we are melted down and we are we are Christ-like Monday through Saturday and we live this thing out in circulation, 
that's where the difference is. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of verses that I found that I think go with this sermon illustration. Um, One of them is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, and it says, So that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, in the midst, did y'all hear that? In the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation, among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacon shining out clearly in the world of darkness. It doesn't say on the edge of or over there by yourself or Mm -hmm. in the church you shine as lights, but it says in the midst of. So smack dab in the middle of your workplace and smack dab in the middle of the grocery store and smack dab in the middle of the traffic jam, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be shining as lights, as bright lights in the middle of all of the hatred and the chaos and the rudeness and the whatever else you can put on there, in the middle of all that. And then yeah. the other one I found, the other one I, that I found to go with this is in Romans chapter 10, Paul says, right after he, right after he talks about whoever calling upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's verse uh, 13. But then he says, how will people call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom? of whom they have not heard and what and how will they hear without a preacher or a messenger and how will they preach unless they are commissioned and sent for that purpose yeah we have been commissioned and sent for that purpose yeah not to stand in the corners yes not to not to stand in the corners or you could even say not to stand in the corners of religion how, how you present yourself on Facebook, how you act when you're around people, how you, like, I've got the, I'm on this little pretty silver statue that sits mm-hmm. in the corner. I've got all this, you know, I've got all this handled. But that doesn't do anybody any good. No. We've no. got to be melted down, and that's going to show some vulnerability sometimes, and that's going to show struggle sometimes, and that's going to be involve confessing our struggles sometimes. It's going to hurt sometimes. It's going to hurt sometimes. It's going to be sharing our testimony that we're not proud of and, and speaking of things that we've done or that we've struggled with that we are ashamed of mm-hmm. in order to tell somebody, hey, Jesus did this for me. He can do it for you too. And that's not always going to be comfortable. Being melted down and refined is not comfortable. But that's the way that God can use us. That's how he, that's how he gets to other people is through us being in circulation. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was thinking, of course, you you know, Oliver Cromwell was talking about let's melt the saints down. And I'm in my mind anyway, I guess he's going to make coins out mm-hmm. of them or you know yeah, they that, were they were yeah. needing silver for yeah. currency yeah so currency and you know i i was just thinking that if let's just say it's it's a a ten dollar bill for us i have a ten dollar bill and there's something I, that i want that's ten dollars well i i reap the benefits of this ten dollar bill that i have in my hand because i you know i can get what mm-hmm. it is i'm needing well, then when I do that, whoever I paid it to, they now have it. Mm-hmm. And then they need something that costs $10. They reap the benefit of that $10 bill. Mm-hmm. And then on to the next person and the next person. That $10 bill 
can pass through millions of hands before mm-hmm. it's finally wore out. And every single person that touched it, that had it in their possession, got re- something. Reap yeah. the benefits from it. it. It's like that. Um, when I was a kid, I don't know if the, if people still do this, but there used to be a website called Where'sGeorge.com, mm-hmm. and it was the it was a dollar bill, and you would put the serial number in it and where your your town and your state. And then you would spend it, and then you'd go back and check on it, you yeah. know, and see where it was. And and just that, just that idea, like it, it goes everywhere. Yeah, just keeps like on something, going. A, a a bill, a coin that you might have in Tennessee one week, a month later it could be in mm-hmm. South Dakota. Like yeah. it's there's just it it just goes everywhere. And just thinking about that, as we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We yeah. ha- we can be circulated. The mm-hmm. message that we have can be circulated just like that. Yeah. There's but, there's no end of possibilities yeah. to who it can touch and how far it can reach when we start living like Christ outside the church. Yeah. And that makes ask that question. If, if if that is us, then the people that we come in contact with, just like that ten dollar bill, are they getting are they getting something from us, mm-hmm. from our our interaction with them? Did they get something positive, something Christ-like mm-hmm. from from that? Yep. That was a great illustration. I'm glad that you got it because I missed it when it first happened. Oh, I was so like, we, if I, whoa! Yeah, if you hadn't <laughs> caught it, then we would have just missed such a great uh, a great illustration. Um, I was just thinking a while ago. This was pretty good, our, our favorite sermon illustration. And I thought, I wonder what would happen if we flipped it and went with the worst sermon illustrations. Oh, <laughs> I already know yours. Uh, it would be, it could be a comedy show, I think. <laughs> but uh, no, that that's. I good. know mine too. <laughs> I know which one you would use, and I just thought of one, so okay. maybe we should do that one. Yeah, day. Maybe, maybe that'll be in our future. <laughs> the worst sermon illustrations we've ever heard. So, but. Uh, I think that went well um, as far as uh, the way that the the illustrations are so effective and pointing back mm-hmm. to Scripture that you know it just it just works. I don't know it exactly re- how to I say that. I think it reinforces it. Yeah, when you hear that, it brings it to life. I guess. Yeah, sometimes you can hear a sermon and you may not remember the whole sermon. Mm-hmm. But you're likely going to remember an illustration yeah. because it, it brought the point. And if you can remember the illustration, then you're going to remember the, the gist of the message. That's right. All right. Well, uh, I guess we could say Merry Christmas because this will come out the two days before Christmas this year. So Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. And uh, we look forward to... Uh, well, we'll have another one before the new year. I was going to say we look forward to starting a new year, but we got, we'll got we have one more next week. Yeah. So, anyways, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, keep Jesus center stage in your life.